guys, welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind, the Metal Mastermind podcast. Your host, Jason Stallworth, got co-owner of Metal Mastermind on here, brother. Ken Candelis. Hey, everybody. We're going to talk to you about what it takes to release a record. And when we're talking about making music, everybody has to go through the trial by fire all the way to the end and actually show everybody what you did. <laughs> yep. Um, and you know, that's intimidating for a lot of us, right? Cause we're working so hard on our like creative endeavors and we're like, oh man, is it good enough? Are people going to like it? Uh, that's a real bit of anxiety, uh, for people in the beginning. And when you're knee deep into a project you're like, oh, I have to now release this. Some people are even afraid to release their own music. I totally get it. Um, you know, you're you're putting, and I think today's uh, in today's era, you're putting yourself out there, exposing yourself, and there's a lot of criticism, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, we're going to give you guys uh, really kind of a high level snapshot of, of the beginning to really the very end of getting your music ready. You know, things that you need to think about. Uh, during the recording process and production process and so forth. When we first started Metal Mastermind, you know, you presented this thing to me and we have this out there on metalmastermind.com, our website as a blog post and a video early on. You talked about uh, the golden rules of recording. Yeah, I, I happily will talk about that. And the golden rules are uh, six rules yeah. that make a recording outstanding. And uh, the first three have nothing to do with the gear that you use. The first thing is uh, we need to have a great performance. And uh, honestly, <laughs> before a great performance, you should even have a great song. So <laughs> true, true. The, the first thing has to be that we're capturing a stellar take. And it's the best take that you've ever made for your recording. Um, following after that, uh, we have the right instrument and that kind of goes hand in hand with the great performance. Now, sometimes, for example, let's say you got a cheap guitar, right? You, you, maybe it's like the first guitar you ever had. It's like one of those like first act guitars that you get as a, as a teenager or a kid, right? But you get Steve Vai to play, right? Now, Steve Vai is probably going to shred the hell out of that first act guitar but you know there's always going to be that like little bit of what if this was like an actual ibanez that steve Vai would really play so that's going to obviously change the elements of the quality of the recording so when you get steve Vai, who plays amazing playing on an amazing guitar now you have a match made in heaven right this is another thing that you can also think about vocals. How many vocalists that actually do really, really great work, but don't fit within a particular project because of the sound of their voice. That's a great example, dude. Um, you know, not everybody is for everything. I, and I want to touch on the guitar part because I know a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are guitar players. You know, this doesn't mean you have to go out and buy the most expensive guitar 
on the face of the universe. Uh, but what it does mean is, and really along the lines of what you just said, Ken, about vocals, you should be playing an instrument that you're comfortable with, that truly fits you. I mean, great albums have been made with, you know, gear that's not super expensive. So the price tag doesn't have to do with it as much as does it truly fit you? If you're right. just recording something with the beginner guitar or a guitar that's just not set up right, um, and I guess we would say is just do do your due diligence, and even if it is a guitar that's uh, maybe not stellar, maybe you put a little money into it instead of getting a new guitar. Maybe you put a little bit of money into the guitar and the bass. Maybe change the pickups. Go have it professionally set up. Right. There's a lot of things that you can do uh, using the gear that you already have. So I just want to make that point real quick. Absolutely. And part of the right instrument is it being correctly set up. I did a drum recording about a, just a little over a week ago on Sunday in Massachusetts. Um, and that recording turned out stellar because they hired me as a drum tech. Nice dude. So, you know, they have this, uh, I mean, this band, it, it's, it's called hero in the heart. Great band. Check them out. They kind of have like the, this tool and stone temple pilots kind of sound to them, but they've got, uh, you know, a, a history of working with my buddy who is an engineer and he's actually engineered for us as well. His name is Kia Eshki. And, uh, the results of a recording with Kia sound great. They sound big, but it just takes it to another level when you have also a drum set that's like properly tuned and set up. It, it just inspires the rest of the band when they play. And of course, the, the drummer is totally feeling themselves because the entire drum set sounds just incredible. So it's a really, really important part of really getting to have your session ready for recording is just yeah, getting it the right intonation, getting the right strings, uh, getting the right action for your guitar, or in this case, oiling up, like lubricating the heads for, uh, you know, the lugs on, on a drum set so that there's no tension on the lugs. So when you're tuning, it's it's nice and smooth. Like all these things, they add up. It's like little, little things, but the whole becomes that much better for it. So it, it it's worth spending the extra time and the extra money before you get into the studio just to make sure that everything is properly working. That's pure gold, dude. Yeah, I mean, and those are those are great points. And again, it's like you said, Ken, it's not about like, okay, this one little thing is going to make this monumental difference, but it's a lot of things, little things that you put together that just make the the performance so much better. If I'm trying to solo on a guitar where the action's too high, I'm not going to play as well. I'm not going to be as inspired. You tune this drum kit uh, for this band, like you said, I can imagine just like the drummer sitting back there like, holy crap, this thing just, this is flawless. So again, his performance or her performance on the drum well, that's going to roll into everyone else. And that energy is just felt among the band members and everyone in the studio when they're recording. So right. that's this stuff's crucial, man. Yeah, it's a mental game in the studio. And the right environment is number three on the list. So three. having not just great acoustics, but even just like a mental space for people. That's why people like to hire a studio out when they go and they do their thing, because yeah. The vibe of a studio is something that 
makes you one take it more seriously right you know you're getting better sounds at the studio than maybe like your bedroom so you decide okay let's go and make it worth our while and you get in there and the environment of recording in that space just makes it easier in the mix it also can help define the sound of like what your band is all about maybe it's like giant drums you know or it's it's is it really tight drums right is it going to be in an iso booth or is it going to be in a big live room those types of decisions help influence the rest of the album's timbre so you got to you got to think of these things as all again small elements that add to the whole and if we're talking about getting the right performance right off the top getting the right instrument and of course having that in tune and all this kind of stuff but then number 3 putting yourself in the right environment to make that recording again these first three have nothing to do with microphones or anything of that sort we haven't even got to like interfaces or whatever so yeah. forget all that like the first three if nothing else the first three are incredibly important That's awesome. Um, that environment is so important too, man. Like I, I, you know, I like my studio. This I barely call it a studio. It's a ten by eleven room. But I remember uh, just a few months ago, towards the end of two thousand twenty-two, I walked into Morris Sound Studio in Tampa, Florida. Here, uh, my buddies in the band Siren. They were they were finishing up their album. They actually recorded everything on their own, but they brought it to Jim Morris of Morris Sound Studio. Uh, they brought it to him. to do all the mixing and mastering just being in that environment i was like right. well, this is just i i could live here <laughs> could i just yep. set up a cot over here you know um but yeah that environment i mean i can't imagine recording and just going into an actual vocal booth to seeing as opposed to just doing it in your bedroom again nothing wrong with recording in your bedroom guys but uh maybe set it up in a manner so that you're inspired. Uh I need yep. can I need a studio overhaul. <laughs> you and I are going to be talking about this <laughs> more because <laughs> I'm going to need your help. Um sometimes I feel like I have uh, a little bit of clutter in here and there are days where I'm just not as inspired. So if you feel like that, then just know that maybe it's time to change some things around a little bit so that you have that atmosphere to where you're inspired. Yeah, for sure. Um but at the end of the day going into a studio gives you reason to also prepare right oh, you're yeah. you're you're talking about being in a studio and not being in a, as inspired and that's probably because you don't feel the pressure <laughs> that's a good point so, dude yeah you know yeah. putting a little fire under your butt really goes a long way in making a great record and that's one of the reasons why you know they say time is money when you're at the studio because yeah. yeah you have to make it count so make sure you're you're on your a game <laughs> that's so true man dude um but yeah number 4 is the right microphone and that's where we finally start getting to audio gear and i want to touch about you know mixing and stuff like that in just a second but you know not only having the microphone like for example like an SM57 on a guitar cab is a classic sound but you also have to put that microphone in the right place so right. <laughs> that's another element that we cannot forget it's really critical to know where to put the microphone so part of going into a studio is yeah somebody in the studio is going to be trained to do that job and they're going to 
keep in mind phase and all of these things that when you get down to the mixing element, it's going to make it a lot easier rather than having to, you know, try and rework all the sounds because you're not capturing it correctly at the source. And then you end up having to replace a lot of those things with like samples. And it's like, oh my God, it becomes such a mess and it's so much harder to work with. Yeah. Oh. Those types of situations are things that we want to try and avoid. And it, and it all comes down to the source. Was it recorded correctly? Was it a great performance? Uh, was the drum set tuned? Was it not? You know, those kinds of decisions, again, all add up in the end until finally you're using the right reamplifier amplifier uh, yeah. to record. And that's more of like a timbral choice that people will make at the very end. But if you know, you know, preamps really well, that actually can also make something go from sounding either a little mediocre uh, or even good to just great because you're having these sonic choices as a palette to say, okay, I know I'm going to choose the API uh, preamp because the API preamp has a very fast attack. So I'll put that on my kick drum because I'm going to record that clickiness that I want in my metal music, nice. right? That's kind of the thought process of some of this stuff, or I might use a Neve preamp because it has thick harmonic overtones would sound great on the crack of a snare, make it sound like, you know, re really uh, a lot of thwack, as we like to say, you know, it's beefy attack. <laughs> now, let me back up for a second to the guitars. We talked about miking and amp. Um, yeah. Ken, we, what are your thoughts on if, if many people that use amp sims these days? I, I personally like to use a mixture. I like to record some stuff with my live amp, other stuff with sims. But uh, how how do you relate that? Like we're we're talking about choosing the right the right microphone, the right preamp and source um, on all that. What what are your thoughts on amp simulators and and plugins? Uh, I think they're great, especially for a day when you're tracking an instrument like drums to be able to just get a sound going so that we can all play together, especially as a band, right? We're not talking just solo individual doing multi-instrumentalist kind of thing. Right, right. If we're talking about a band, you want to have something that's flexible, something that you can work with. But at the same time, and we talked about this actually, I think on our last episode with Nick, with Nick yeah. where uh, having a DI is totally crucial to establishing, you know, what the future of the sound of that guitar is going to be in the mix. Yeah. So you can have the DI sort of preserve the original guitar performance. And if the guitar performance was just great that day, you know, you don't really have to change anything, but maybe you have to change the tone of the guitar amp. You can just reamp it and just take that performance and just color the sound of the tone of the guitar even differently. And really take your time with it because you can sculpt it now without having the pressure of having to also record drums. It's already done. So that's a great method of doing it. And, you know, a lot of interfaces nowadays, they just come in with, uh, you know, high Z input. So you could actually just plug your guitar right into the high Z input yeah. and just start recording right away. And you know, a lot of people are, you know, not really hearing the difference between miking a real guitar amp versus miking a sim when it's in the context of a mix. So it also depends on the mixing engineer that you have yeah. uh, who can work with the things that you're giving him because 
if it sounds good, I mean, it is good. <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of people aren't even aren't even micing an amp at all these days. Not yeah. using you know, not using DI. They're just plugging directly into the interface using yeah. an amp sim like Positive Grid or Neural DSP or whatever amplitude. There, there's so many out there. Uh, and I guess you know, to your point, and having the right mic, well, you know, that rule applies even with the amp simulator when you can go into the amp simulation and the cab. IR and all that and move the mic around uh, right. to get that appropriate sound that you're looking for uh, that sits well, you know, with your mix. And I know we're going to get more into mixing a little later here. Uh, but as far as microphones go, I know, I know we got to touch on vocals here as well, man. So that's, that's where it really, uh, probably oh, sure. most crucial part, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And and one final thing, I, one thing that I love about recording guitars with a DI, actually, I like to personally reamp it get a real amp but i also like to use the di as a way to just blend tone with a uh, amp sim and just have that sort of balance of really defining the actual tone of the guitar amp so that's a that's a tip that i like to do that's a very um, nice balance by the way i i love that i love you know again miking a real amp but then uh in using that signal or maybe like in my case i might even just re-record that again uh you you know you do that I, too yeah, I'll, I'll do two rhythm tracks, hard pan each one. I like to hear those subtle imperfections, those nuances between the two guitar tracks. You know, uh, I like to hear that. It, it, to me, that just makes it more lively. Yeah. And uh, when it comes to metal, I think the simpler, the better. I mean, you don't need really more than two guitars on either side. <laughs> it, no, it, I, I don't. It, I it actually either. sounds pretty big just doing it on its own. When you start adding adding like a ton of layers of guitars, it just starts getting really, really cluttered yeah. and it becomes hard to define tone. So uh, my recommendation for most metal projects is just keep it simple. One left, one right. You know, each one can maybe have up to two mics, maybe three. If you really want to go all out with like guitar reverb, like rooms and stuff like that. All that's another conversation for another day. Sure, but yeah. The concept of simpler is actually better. It makes things open up more. Uh, there's less competition in the mix. Those kinds of things we want to think about. So when we're recording, we want to record with intention of what this is going to be used for so that we don't waste too much time. Because, yeah, again, time is money, right? So that is but, true. Yeah. Yes, time is money. And it's a good point you make. And, and just to just kind of reiterate real quick, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, you record your two rhythm tracks, hard pan each or pan it how you want. Uh, but you record with that amp, right? But then you've got that dry signal as well, so yeah. that you can use an amp sim for that that same, you know, that same performance, just to right. kind of like really get some cool textures and and different tones, and really just dial things in a little deeper. So that's just a really cool method, man. Yeah, uh, everything adds up at the end it's to you know when you get to the mix, the mix becomes something and entirely different as a process we're not worried about now getting a recording we're all about trying to blend all the elements of the mix and there are two you know methodologies that i'd say you, you can go full-on digital with every tool available to you or you can go analog if you've got the time and money to do it uh and some people uh like to talk about analog as this thing that's just superior in every way because there's just analog tone with it Holy and drill. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of people like to overhype it. Honestly, <laughs> analog is is great, but it is a tricky thing to work with, and it's a pain in the butt to recall anything. You have to also understand that we went into digital because there were certain things that analog couldn't do. <laughs> but at the same token, we're having to think like if we do analog. Uh, and I was recently working on something with an SSL G4000 series console. We have one at uh, at the university. And it's such a different mindset. And I think it depends on the music. If you're going to choose to do analog, you have to be very, very conscious that whatever you do in analog, you have to commit to that. There's mm -hmm. no going back and redoing that one little you know, transition just to make that one DB of a change. And it's like, no, dude, <laughs> because if I have to come in on another day and recall that whole session just to do one oh. DB, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that ain't happening. <laughs> and Ken, let so, me ask you this. Do you, do you really think that anybody is going to listen to an album or a song then after the fact say, Hey, by the way, that was all analog. It's that going to change their mind about how they feel or perceive that song? You know what I mean? So not it, really. Yeah. You know, it's gonna. Yeah, it'll it'll add its color and all that cool stuff, and you know that can be one of those things that feels like more of a finalizing touch to everything. But yeah, it's at the end of the day, you know, the the common man or common woman, however you want to put it, they're gonna listen to the song for the song and they're going to enjoy the music for the music, not necessarily because of the production value, even though of course it is it. Here's what I would say about production value when it comes to consumers. If nobody tells you how great of a production it was, you've done your job <laughs> because there you go. There you go, man. That's it, a it's, really good point. It's got to translate well to a point where, I mean, people will know if something sounds wrong and then they'll call it out. They'll tell you it, yeah. if 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 they don't hear anything wrong, they'll just say how great of a song it was. Hopefully it was a great song. <laughs> yeah, so they'll focus more on that element instead. And gotcha. the production value becomes secondary to that. So they'll say, oh, by the way, yeah, I love the snare. Sounds great. You know, <laughs> so that is a big part of making music, which is just knowing that all the production value all the hours that you go into eqing and compressing and all that stuff somebody at the end will appreciate it in a sense that's very subliminal or you know subconscious uh but it might not be the thing that's forefront it'll be the the context of the music itself first yeah. after that it's all secondary um but yeah that's that's a huge part of it. I know you've tried mixing your own stuff and what you've even hired yeah. other people to mix stuff for you too, Jason. Uh, why would you do that? Like, why do you think it's important for people to also think about maybe not doing everything themselves? Well, you know, I've said this before. I don't want to be my own weakest link. Um, this new album I'm working on now, I'm, I'm taking some different approaches in certain areas, but uh, I think it's good to get a basic mix because that's just going to help you record uh, in the recording process. Uh, for example, you know, I hired uh, Cameron Flurry for drums for my last two albums. 
And, uh, you know, I, but I had to have some sort of drums before hiring him, you know, and I had to have those kind of mixed appropriately so that I could record my guitar tracks, you know. So I think it's good to have some sense of it um, to make sure everything's kind of balanced out. But there comes a point where, okay, how good do I want this to be? Um, again, you know, I mix my own stuff in the past because I felt that, uh, at the time I, I didn't really have the budget to go further than that. And I shouldn't even say that that's a limitation we put on, put on ourselves. Um, what, what I really, and I don't want to say should have, could have, but, uh, going forward, it's like, if you don't have the funds, we'll get the funds. You know what I mean? There's nothing stopping you. Don't allow that to be a limitation you know, Ken, you and I talk a lot about mindset. We've been we've been going deeper into this stuff oh, yeah. lately. And, you know, you you control your destiny, whether you want to hear that or not, whether you believe it or not. Uh, and if you don't believe it, that means life's probably not going so great. But but you're in control of, of how you feel and how you react to things that happen, even the things that that are seemingly out of your control, you still control how you react to them, how long you hold them to that emotion. And we're going on a different tangent. So let me circle back to recording here. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't let fun, don't let funding be that limitation. Find a way to get it because if you really want to do something, you will find a way or better yet, create a way. And yeah. there's just no reason not to do that if it's important to you. So, again, you you can you can attain the skill, you know, like Nick Z's course. I'm going to be going through his course. And as I go through his mixing course, uh, you know, Metal Producer Overlord, the mixing series. We had Nick Z, by the way, guys, on the on the podcast uh, prior to this one. That was last week's podcast. So uh, if you finish listening to this, if you didn't hear that, definitely go check that out. A lot of gold nuggets in there to help you with your mixing. So I'm going to go through that. Uh, and then I'll decide as I go through that, do I want someone else mixing at this point or do I feel like I did a, a good enough job? Someone else is still going to be better than me at it that does it on a regular basis. Uh, so I'll make that decision towards the end. Is this something that I want to hone in on more or would I rather another expert handle that and just let me stick to the songwriting and the performance and all that good stuff? So that's Another question you have to ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Now, mastering real quick. I always outsource mastering. I will never master my own albums, songs, any of that. That always gets sourced out. Uh, and can you can kind of cover the reasons why. I don't know the technical reasons why. I just know that I am not the master of mastering, so I'm going to let a master at mastering. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for well, the puns, guys. you know, uh, mastering, actually, if you look into the cost of what a mastering studio you know, takes in terms of financial investment, it's actually very similar to a recording studio. The only difference is we're not rebuying microphones or we're not buying, you know, these live rooms and building that stuff out. Uh, with a mastering facility, all that information or all that money actually goes towards the quality of the equipment and the quality of the room. You know, you're not you're not doing recordings in this big live room, but you have a really, really accurate control room with amazing, amazing monitors. Some of these monitors, they can go up to one hundred thousand uh, dollars. It's incredible how much money people can spend on speakers. So that kind of mentality of, you know, going to a mastering engineer with your music that you've mixed yourself is actually a really great 
step because now that mastering engineer can listen to the music that you've made in a very accurate room and actually make unbiased decisions that will enhance the music. Part of what you want with a mastering engineer is actually that they're very experienced with the genre that you're talking about. Because, you know, especially if they're one of those mastering engineers that's been like a trendsetter, like a Roger Lean or an Andy mm-hmm. Van Dad or somebody like that. These kinds of mastering engineers have worked on legendary albums and a lot of the sound that we're inspired by are from the work of those guys. So they know what they're going for here and they'll tell you whether or not your mix is up to that standard too, which is a valuable piece of information as a mixing engineer. So super valuable dude, man. Yeah. Yeah. You're coming from all the way from the beginning of like, okay, I want to record the best recording that I can do to getting the mix to be right, to then getting to the mastering stage, right? The mastering engineer is really the last stop before you get to the consumer. And it is so critical that you have a conversation with your mastering engineer and have them give you consulting, like throw away the ego and just get the consulting from your mastering engineer because they will tell you what you need to work on or what you need to pay attention to in your mixes. And it's invaluable information as a mixing engineer, but just as a producer in general, you're able to prepare, especially for the next time you go to this person, you know exactly what they're looking for. And so now you become that much more efficient at what you do and everything elevates. It's kind of like a a tide that lifts all boats, if we want to call it with that analogy. Uh, don't take it too personally. If a mastering engineer tells you, Hey, this needs to be done in your mix. And you're just like, well, no, that's what I intended. Right. It's like, okay. Uh, maybe, but maybe he's got a point too, you know, or she's got a point it's, it's all relative, but at the end of the day, you're hoping that the mastering engineer that you're working with is someone who's more experienced than you. Um, they're a master at their craft <laughs> that's right dude <laughs> so <laughs> they oh, can man. give you the feedback that you need and uh you know because again like we said this is the final output so that's why i choose to always get a mastering engineer and i don't master my own stuff too maybe take your mix in and for a consultation is this something that you can master and work with or is there something that you would change or even recommend you know, or is there something that you just can't work with that's in this mix? You know what I mean? Um, and then fix those or make make the appropriate changes and then go back for the actual mastering process. And like you said, Ken, you know, that's a learning. That's a that's an education right there from the mastering engineer who's experienced says, OK, y'all master your project. But, you know, here's a few recommendations uh, you might want to go back and, and enhance or change or whatever before i actually master the project that's a really good experience yeah and that i think is a great way of segue into actually releasing your record because my philosophy on taking that last step in audio production right because it's like putting the nail in the coffin like this is done once you get your thing mastered there's no going back Right. (laughs) Unless you want to pay that again, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and it's just not worth it. At at a certain point, you got to say this is done. Right. So once you get everything done with mastering, now it's like, okay, now what do I do? I got to put it out there. Right. And 
Jason, you and I, we were looking at uh, the RIAA. And for those of you who don't know it, the RIAA are the uh, basically the folks who put out who gets a gold record, who gets a platinum record. Uh, they're involved with like parts of the Grammys and all that kind of yeah. stuff, too. But the RIAA has some really, really interesting points that I think are really important to note. Uh, one, 84 percent of midpoint 2022 sales were all streaming <laughs> wow dude and only 10 percent, only 10 percent were physical like you know cds and vinyl and we'll get into the breakdown of that uh real quick too but yeah guys 2022 i mean 84 percent, and we all know that streaming doesn't pay a whole lot i i i released through cd baby you know i'm always <laughs> i'm grateful for whatever right i'm grateful but i still want to continue to get better but you know when you get those checks in the mail or the deposits rather you're like wait a minute this all these people listen to my music but i only got this <laughs> it's right. kind of kind of hard. now let me just bring this up because I, I i i do believe people still buy cds and vinyl your hardcore fans will do that let me just bring this up about digital though about streaming if someone goes to buy your album they buy it that's it you got paid you never get paid for that one purchase again you can sell more cds vinyl or whatever right but you don't get paid from that particular sale which with streaming if there's a good side of it is that it's always out there to continue increasing if you if you push it so i think at the end of the day it's really all up to you and how much work you do in other words don't just put something out there and like oh well, nobody's listening well you're not pushing it or you're not pushing it correctly or you're not pushing it to the right audience and that's probably a different conversation for another time ken uh but again 84 percent. yeah this this yeah. is an important statistic Right. We can't ignore that people are streaming all the time, all the time. <laughs> uh, we have to just kind of understand that that's where the industry is going. And that's why I like to look at some of these revenue statistics with the music industry, because it's showing the trends and we can't, you know, it's like, it's, if you can't beat them, you got to join them <laughs> in this industry. Uh, for this particular situation, we cannot ignore that people want things to be streamed. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, there are some benefits to streaming, right? Actually, you get higher quality audio with streaming. That's a big part of it. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love streaming because I actually get lossless audio now where, yeah. you know, a while ago, uh, CD was like the better choice. It was the same, you know, yeah. kind of quality, but uh, now CDs are actually inferior in quality to streaming and crazy, dude. you can't, you can't get the same sort of, yeah, output on a CD versus what you do now. So that's a big reason why, uh, CDs are just kind of dying in a way, because you're talking about a digital product, right? A digital product, the same file can be found elsewhere, but now on this medium, it's actually inferior to what's being put on the other platforms. So yeah, CDs are going to die. And people are buying CDs mostly because I think it's paraphernalia. It's just something that they can they can buy that, you know, supports the band, but they could also display it in their home as something yeah. that they like and expresses themselves. But that just brings us more to vinyl, which has been over the years increasing like tenfold. It's kind of insane. We have more people buying vinyl than ever today. Uh, since the eighties, we actually broke records from the eighties, if you didn't know. So more people are getting their hands on vinyl, which makes us, you know, 
have to consider, hey, why not get vinyl for our music? But that also comes with some preparation, right? You can't just take your digital master and just put that on vinyl. You, mm. you do, do you know the reason why? Because grooves, right? The grooves in the vinyl have so much, uh, only a finite amount of space. Wow. And all the stuff that we put with our digital masters, they're so loud. They're so loud that if you put it on vinyl, you're more likely to get skips on that record. So we have to actually take the original mix that we did and remaster it for vinyl specifically so that we don't get any of those skips that I was saying with the digital master that we would get. So Vinyl mastering is its own thing, and that's another cost. So, so it's another process, a completely. So it's mastering times two. You've got your master yeah. for digital release, and you've got a, a completely different master uh, for your vinyl. That's interesting, dude. Yep, you have to you have to th consider it uh, in that sense. You don't want to just take your digital master and just put that on vinyl. It's not it's not going to work out as well. So that is a big consideration for a lot of people, and it's kind of putting us in a corner where yeah we're 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 becoming more independent in this industry releasing our own music and stuff like that and then you yeah. see this thing about vinyl and people are like oh that's i guess that's easy just it's another medium we can add to it but no it's actually Something. an entirely separate process and if you want it to be done right you're going to have to cough up that investment for it so uh something to think about uh in the future where if you really want hardcore fans and people who are hardcore fans and they're buying vinyl, they're willing to pay more that the statistics show it. So it might be something that's worthwhile. Uh, people tend to have these waves with these mediums and trends, you know, I don't know if CD will ever come back as it was before because it's just a digital copy, right? So it's an inferior digital copy at this point, but I don't know. Uh, vinyl, because it's a different medium, it's it's got a bit of history to it. It's it's legacy. Right. And then there's also the act of using vinyl. Uh, you are dedicating time to listening to music. You're making listening to music an activity again, which is something that you guys <laughs> were always doing. But now you see and you're like, oh, the kids, they're they're finally discovering this stuff. And it's like, uh, hello, <laughs> this is what we've been doing the whole time. So I always thought, thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> it's a different experience, Ken. You know, like I, I'm just imagining right now. Just so so those everybody listening, just close your eyes for a second. Imagine you walk into this room, this living room or bedroom, whatever it may be. You've got a nice comfy chair. Uh, you got a little end table there with a cup of coffee, maybe a craft beer, maybe tea, whatever. Uh, you know, it's ready for you. And you walk over to this this uh, area where all your records are. You pull one out. You you touch it, man. You've got this this cover. You pull out the record. You pull out the vinyl. You put it on that player. Put the needle on. And you just go sit back and relax. And now you're listening. You can open your eyes now, guys. That I think that is... I don't know. It's a different experience. I think I think most of you know what I'm talking about. It's just a different experience uh, than just having your headphones on and punching in the next song. And uh, I'm going to skip this one, go to the next. Right. So I don't know. In 
I think it's worth looking into if you're going to release your music. It's active music listening. Exactly. Yeah, exactly what you said. It, man. It's not it's not passive. It's not going on the subway or in your car and just putting it on just to have time pass by. It's getting to put yourself in a position where you're actively listening to music. And that is just it's it's a separate event. And I love that. I, I love what vinyl does for people when it, when we're when we're talking about that. Um, so we're now we've got okay. So you've got streaming and you've got vinyl. Now it's like okay, how do you get the word out? Well, Jason, I mean, there's a couple ways, and you know, us as people in Metal Mastermind, we're always at kind of like the forefront of what's the industry doing right now. Yeah. Right. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on social media. We're exploring these different options. And I know you've got a lot to say about what it takes to market your music. But let's talk about when you are establishing culture and community. That I feel is one of the most important things in creating a brand for music. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that and what that's been like for you? Because you are a great example of something like this. It's almost magical. And I never envisioned it happening like it is, you know, and it's not like I'm some big shot, right? I, I, I'm sitting right now uh, on my YouTube channel. I think I have about, um, I think I have about 63,000 subscribers, not a ton. You've got people with hundreds of thousands and even millions, but if you can establish uh, some kind of platform, whether it be on another social media platform or wherever your reach is, wherever you feel your audience is, and just be yourself, just be you. And I think the most important thing is to give value. Um, if it's your music we're talking about, you don't want to just say, hey, I just dropped my latest track. Go check it out. Well, why would somebody go check it out? They've got a gazillion other songs and bands they could check out. So you have to establish a connection with folks, right? Uh, and that's more than just the music a lot of times. It's it's giving value, like I talked about earlier, uh, which we strive to do on Metal Mastermind. Hey, our YouTube channel is starting to grow now too, you know? Um, so we, we strive to give value. Um, and the result of that is people purchasing our courses on metalmastermind.com, right? Because we've created this community here you know, we have a discord, we've got all kinds of stuff out there, we've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe, too. I don't want to get into it right now. But it's all about establishing, you know, your own community. And I'll just say this, you know, there, there are, there are fans, there are subscribers, there are followers for every single person in this world, you have an audience, you just have to, you have to kind of attract them. I don't even want to say create the audience, you attract them by what you're putting out. But if, if there's one thing I will say, just remember to always give some sort of value beyond just your music, because that's going to be the reason that people listen to your music. What I'll, what I'll end on in that note is I'll say this, that they don't necessarily even buy your music. They do. Okay. They, they, the music's got to be good. No, make no mistake. It's got to be good. It's got to be uh, produced well. The songwriting has to be good, right? Uh, but beyond that, your audience, they don't really buy the vinyl, the CD, this or that. They buy into you. They buy into the relationship and the connection that you've established with them. That is so important to understand. And you hit it, the nail right on the head. 
Yeah, I'm hitting it with these analogies today. So yeah. you, <laughs> you've got <laughs> nail, you, dude. You, yeah, you've you've got it really, you know, right there, man. Because being a modern musician today and releasing your album to the world is more than just doing the music itself. It's all about you. You have to be a true entertainer all around. Uh, and you can, uh, you know, inform your audience, you can inspire your audience, or you can entertain them. Those are key elements of being, you know, a content creator. And that's what it really is, right? You have to be multifaceted in this case. Now you have to be able to diversify your income. Being a, a, a musician nowadays is not just living off of your music. It's also making, you know, deals elsewhere, investing and, you know, working here to make a buck and just making sure that you have more income streams and not relying on just one thing. Um, if you're at a position where you are, let's say you're only stuck at a job and that's the only thing you've ever done, that can be very difficult for someone to break into the music industry because this is the entire income stream that they're relying on. Uh, all I would say to that is just have patience because it just comes with time. There's no shortcut in the music industry. I mean, yes, you can be an overnight success with a viral video or something like that. But at the end of that, you're actually looking at somebody's work who's been working at something for a long time. And most of the time, it's a 10-year overnight success story. Right. So <laughs> uh, people in the music industry who have been working all their lives, they don't even see a dime of a return on investment. Uh, they're always, you know, expending income to make it happen until, you know, some point it actually starts working out for them. And it could be in a different way that they didn't expect before. So you just have to be very, very cautious and very aware that doing the indie music uh, scene is going to be at minimum, a 10-year effort. And you have to commit to that. You have to say, my music, what I do with my music is solely because I feel it must be done. I have to go and make this happen because if I don't, I will live the rest of my life with regret. <laughs> and that has to be part of your core, your core mission. And Going out there and having to go and market yourself, you have to do it because at your core, this is something that must be seen by the world. If you have any sense of doubt of like, oh, I'm doing it because I think I can make money in music, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? You're not doing it because of that. You're doing it because you have this mission, but you also understand that, yes, this is a product at the same time. So you have to make it a business for yourself. And a lot of people will do a route that, you know, a, a traditional route that is actually been modernized in many ways now is actually doing a press release. You yeah. can use oh, a yeah. press release with the same artists that are, you know, big time shots, you know, you know, like you can get a lot of stuff done with a press release company that works for other artists similar to yours. And that can help you get album reviews, uh, you know, be in the spotlight uh, for for several different people. And uh, that could be a great way to start building also your own audience as well. So but in combination with that, right, you have your album release, you've uh, you set up a PR campaign, which I would recommend doing something for, 
you know, I don't know, like at least three months, right? Have some runway for yourself to give you some time. But use, I mean, you could just Google search these guys. You could literally say, you know, uh, arch enemy PR company, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you'll Make find Make a spreadsheet them. too. Yeah. You'll yeah, find them. All these. Or, yeah. Or even just put your genre, metal uh, PR company or something like that, right? Like have a spreadsheet, look at and compare which ones you think are going to work for you and call them right and see whether or not there's somebody on the other line who actually will attend to you uh these are all things that you want to do and you want to make sure that uh your your project right i it, it it's finished you don't want to have a lingering thing like oh man i still got to get this mastered but i want to start doing pr right i mean like don't put the cart before the horse have a product ready because when you got that now you can just focus on that and your album release is all that's on your mind. Uh, and, and, and take priority for these things, all right? We're, we work in seasons as musicians. We work with, with composing, then it's time to produce, then it's time to release. So that's a big part of all of this. And take, take care with your mental health on all of this. It can be overwhelming, but understand things come with time and you need some patience, but... <laughs> I don't know, Jason, when it comes to yeah, that release guns moment, and roses pun. <laughs> yes, when Patience. that, when, when that release comes, man, it, it feels like everything happens so fast. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I mean, but, and I want to, I want to just back up just a second. You know, you can, if you want to be a full-time musician guys, you can, we'll, we'll have to, we don't have time today, but we'll do another segment if you guys want to hear that. Uh, so look for that. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I see everybody nodding. Yes, right now I can I can see them on the other end of the headphones. <laughs> yeah, do it. But there are there are plenty of ways to make uh, an income as a musician, especially these days uh, that weren't available, you know, 30, 40 years ago uh, when I was when I was younger. So that, that's how I'm able to do it. I'm a full time musician. A lot of, you know, about three, a little over three years ago. Now, I left my corporate job at a very good position at a huge corporation. Um I don't want to say it was cushy, but, you know, there, there was a sense of security there and had a really, really good paying job, you know, with everything I walked away and I walked away for a very specific purpose. And I knew what I needed to be doing full time with my life. Of course, I work more than full time. It feels like I have like six different jobs because again, there, there are multiple sources. It's something we'll cover. We'll cover that in another podcast. Uh, cause I do want to talk to that. Cause some of you might be saying, well, if, if I can't just go all in, I, I won't do it at all, but I, I don't necessarily want you to think like that, you know, hold on to your gig and not all of you are like that, but I do know some of you are like that. I, I kind of have that mentality. Sometimes I'm all in or none, you know, uh, my wife, she, she helps keep the balance for me. So that that's a good thing, but, um, there are ways to do it. There are ways to start out with a part-time income and lead into full-time income. So we'll cover that in another session. But um, Ken, this has been a this has been a good chat today. Uh, very good chat today, man. A lot of meat yeah. and potatoes here. Oh, totally. And uh, what we have for everybody out on Metal Mastermind are resources. Wherever you are in that process, we are here to try and guide you through that. So. That's one of the beautiful things that we offer. It's not just, you know, one thing or another. We we have a variety of resources for the modern metal musician. It is. I'll highlight our 
flagship course real quick. Once you go to metalmastermind.com, of course, we got a bunch of courses on there for guitar, vocals, got a bass course coming up, mixing. Uh, but we have a songwriting course as well that Ken and I put together, and we're getting ready to do a free upgrade on that, by the way. Uh, but it's called Metal Songwriters Forge. That's a great place to start. Uh, if you're wanting to release music and write music and just get some ideas, that's a really good place to start. So do check that out at metalmastermind.com. Uh, folks, want to thank you so much for following us, for listening. Until next time, as always, create your own sound. <laughs>